Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Of Calvary Live, my name is Ed Taylor. Taking your calls and your questions, 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000 is the number. Give me a call. That, uh, that's how you'll get on the air. And then you can text me if you like, 720-336-0897. A couple of things I want to mention, and then we'll mention them in the second half of the show as well. But we are back in the book of Second Kings tonight as a fellowship family. Going to get an update on the Sayulita, Mexico mission trip. Uh, going to hear from... Kevin and his team that is here to um, be used of the Lord and all the kids that came back. Can't wait. We're in Second Kings. I believe God has a word for us. And we all everything starts at 7 o'clock. Doors open around 6 or so, 6 p.m. Calvary Aurora is on Hampton, one block east of Tower Road in southeast Aurora. And... You're always welcome here. We meet Wednesday nights, 7 o'clock, Saturday nights at 6 p.m., Sunday morning, 8.45 and 10.45. And you can go to our website at calvaryaurora.org. That's A-U-R-O-R-A, calvaryaurora.org, for more information on everything that's going on throughout, throughout the week. And we just published a brand new page so you can register for our one of our LEARN seminars uh, at calvaryaurora.org slash LEARN. Our inductive Bible study seminar is coming up. You're going to learn how to study the Bible September 8th, and you can register online. It's live. I just got the link. I'm on there. I clicked the link, and there it is. You can register online. Go to calvaryaurora.org slash learn, L-E-A-R-N. And our first of three seminars is already up and ready to go. It's called Inductive Bible Study this is the methodology that every Calvary Chapel pastor basically has gone through. I mean, I can't speak for every Calvary Chapel pastor, but for the most part, we all learned this. I learned it in class back uh, in Calvary Chapel in Downey, uh, the inductive Bible study method of studying the Bible. It sounds complicated. It's actually not. It's very easy, I mean, except that it does take some work. You want to learn it, and it does take some work. And it's basically three steps, observation, interpretation, application. And we have Pastor Wayne Gornson going to be driving up from Colorado Springs to lead this seminar for us. And it's the first of three we're going to have what we're calling Learn Seminars. Inductive Bible study, expository teaching, and evangelism training. Uh, And those will be available to uh, you and anyone in the city is available to come and learn with us. We are here to be used by the Lord. Um, 303-690-3000. No phone line. Nobody's called yet. So give me a call. 
The show is not the show without you. 303-690-3000. Can you lift me up in prayer? My name is Freddie. God has opened the door for me to teach a Bible study tonight. So God, I pray for our buddy Freddie, who's going to walk through this open door to teach a Bible study tonight. That you would anoint his words, God, and the gifting of pastor or teacher would be exercised and that his relationship with the people will be more important than his relationship with his notes. I pray, God, that he wouldn't be nervous, uh, that he wouldn't fear man, but rather he would go forth in boldness, teaching your word, loving your people, honoring you in the power of your Holy Spirit. And be with Freddie, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Freddie, I'm texting you back. Text us. Uh, afterward to tell us how it goes. All right? 303-690-3000. Let's see. What does it mean to guard your heart or guarding your heart, and how would you do that? Well, for both the Hebrew and the Greek, the heart truly speaks of the sum total of a man or a woman. It speaks of the seat of emotions and the depth of who you are. It's it's not a reference to your physical heart. I think you know that already, but just for the sake of people listening, it's not a reference uh, to your physical heart, uh, but rather it is a reference to who you are, your emotions, the, the, the essence of your life and emotions. Uh, and so... There is an admonition to guard your heart above all else, Proverbs say in chapter 4, because everything flows from the depth of who you are. Uh, and it's speaking of the spiritual heart and the importance of guarding your spiritual heart. How would you guard it? Well, let's talk about a few things. Number one, you'd guard it by what you see. You'll be careful with your eyes uh, because what you see affects your thinking. Secondly, you will guard it by your ears because what you hear uh, will affect your mind. Thirdly, you're going to protect it by what you think upon. The Bible says that we're to take every thought under the captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And the mind is really where the spiritual battle takes place. And let me read to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. In verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so you want to be careful with your eye gate, with your ear gate, and, and with your mind, because that will affect your heart. It will affect your life. It will affect what comes from you. Another thing to watch out for when it relates to guarding your heart, and, and let the word guard really speak to you. Uh, let it say what it says. Uh, let me um, just look up the Greek word here. It's in Proverbs chapter. Um, in the New King James, it speaks of keeping your heart. Keeping your heart. It's the word nasar. It means to guard, to keep, to observe, to preserve, it refers to maintain, maintaining things that have been entrusted to them, especially keeping the truths of God in both your actions and your mind. This is the Hebrew word for guard or keep. Um, Psalm 119 verse 100 says, I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. 
So God's word is to be kept in our whole hearts, and our in turn, our hearts ought to be maintained in a right state. This is Nasar, and it is from the Zodiates Hebrew Dictionary, which looking up words really, really helps. So those are a few things that I would suggest in relationship to guarding or keeping your heart. All right, let's move on to Russ in Pueblo, Colorado. Russ, welcome to the program. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? Oh, not bad. What can I do for you? Um, yeah, I just a uh, uh, question. I was uh, I've been reading here a little bit lately, and I was wondering, um, come across um, Mark chapter two, verses twenty-seven and twenty-eight. Okay, and it seemed to be telling me that uh, that uh, well, it says I don't have it in front of me, but I think basically what it says is that the Sabbath was made for men and not men for the Sabbath. That's a great summary. Yep. And that he's Lord of the Sabbath. Yes. And so my question is, is there a difference between the Lord of the Sabbath and the Lord of Easter Sunday? No. No, the the difference I would make, um, the Son of Man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is the Lord of all. So he's the Lord of every day, no matter how it's celebrated, no matter whether it worships God or not, no matter if it's biblical, because uh, Easter Sunday as it exists isn't a biblical day. The, re- the day that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead is a literal biblical day, um, but Easter uh, is representative of that day. Uh, and so Jesus is the Lord of the day you celebrate the resurrection, and Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Um, but remember the context in Mark chapter 2. You have the. Can you, can you help me then? Um, if this takes place between Friday and Sunday, um, and I'm pretty sure he said that the time of death, or he dismissed the spirit at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So I was wondering then, how do you get that there to um, take place between. Um, 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday and Sunday morning, how do you get uh, three days out of that? Because Mark or Matthew 12.40 says three days. <clears throat> Matthew 27.63 says three days. Yes. And then and then Matthew, Mark 8.31 says three days. Okay. So I'm wondering how do you get three days between... Uh, three in the afternoon and Sunday, you know, sun up six in the morning. Well, the views of, if you're asking, are you asking a question on the topic of the Sabbath? Or are you asking a question on the topic of the resurrection? Well, you said they were one and the same. No, I didn't say they were one and the same. I, I, maybe, you're, you, maybe your question isn't as clear as, maybe I didn't understand your question. You asked me, if the Lord of the Sabbath is same as the Lord of Easter Sunday, and, and you I, said, yeah, they were, well, he's Lord of all the days, and then I said, then I said, okay, then if that's true, then well, for one, then he's universal. That's a Catholic thing, right? And then also, okay, so so basically, what I said was, um, I emphasized in the part of your question on the Lord. Uh, I wasn't so interested in the days. Uh, as much as I thought your question was 
emphasizing the Lord. Uh, and so I answered the question the way that I heard it, and that was, Jesus is Lord of every day. And so is he the Lord of Easter Sunday or the Lord of the Sabbath? He's Lord of every day. And that's how I answered your question. So if we flip the question around and we go, well, wait a minute, I don't understand the resurrection uh, and how is it possible that he was three days and three nights uh, in the tomb? Remember that for the Hebrew mindset, they counted any part of a day as a day, any part of the day. And the day begins at sundown, unlike you and I, when we count our days is by sunrise. And, and so, you know, to take things through the, um, the reality of whatever it's Catholic or um, what you're referring to in Mark, the Lord of the Sabbath has absolutely nothing to do with uh, the day that we celebrate resurrection. So as you're asking your question, there's actually three things. Is he the Lord of the Sabbath and the Lord of Easter? Yes, he's the Lord of every day. Secondly, how is it possible that he rose again three days and three nights any part of a day was counted by the Hebrew mind. And then thirdly, uh, in relationship to um, whether we should celebrate the resurrection, whether the Bible is accurate, uh, of course it is. And so I appreciate it. Uh, sorry we misunderstood each other on the beginning of your question because I, I emphasized the wrong part of your question. But I appreciate you calling. 303-690-3000 is the number uh, we're going to go right on to Kathy in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Kathy, welcome to the program. Hello. Hi. Hi, Pastor Ed. Hi. Um, okay, so my question has to do with the millennium and those that rebel at the end. Okay. I've yeah, I've always heard that um, when people say, well, where did they come from, the people that rebel, that, that they were born during the millennium period because it lasts a thousand years. So this came up in a Bible study, and one of the ladies pointed out, she said, well, um, if, if in the rapture we're given glorified bodies, and, um, and then at the first resurrection of those that went through the tribulation period, they're given glorified bodies, then if, if, if all the believers have glorified bodies, then how can they be procreating and having kids? And because we've also always heard that Revelation 19 um, teaches that um, no flesh remains of those that rebelled against um, Jesus you know, at, at the Battle of Armageddon. And then, are you following what I'm saying? I think so. I'm trying to put it together while you're talking. Uh, there, there are human beings on the planet that are procreating that do not have glorified bodies. Okay. But are there unbelievers then that go through the millennium? Because these, I've heard it taught that there, there aren't believers, like there's only believers that remain yeah, that there, go there into the millennium, but then... There are that unbelievers during the millennial period uh, that will get a final um, opportunity to believe at the end of the ruling time. So, yes, there are unbelievers at the end of millennial period, um, and there are unbelievers on the planet during the millennial period. Okay, um, and they're there so going me, into that period too, right? Yes, because I we'll mean, be... I mean, they're left... So, in other words, at the end of the Battle of Armageddon, we'll be ruling and reigning for a, We'll be ruling and reigning for a thousand years with Jesus Christ. Um, let, me, uh, let me read through here and just make sure. Uh, Satan's bound for a thousand years, then he's released at the end of the millennial period to 
Um, it says in verse 3 that after these things he must be released for a little while because there are those that are still during the millennial period that have not been tempted. They've lived under the perfect rule of Jesus Christ, and they haven't been tempted uh, in order to make a decision one way or the other. Uh, And so he's bound during those thousand years to be released at the end. Okay. It says in verse 7, you know, Revelation 20 is the best place to go uh, on the, the main description. When Now when a thousand years have expired, Satan will be released. He'll go out to deceive the nations of the four corners, uh, and he'll go up, and he'll deceive them, and then he'll be cast into the lake of fire, verse 10. They'll be torned, tormented day and night. And then there's the great white throne judgment in Revelation 20. And so uh, there will be people uh, that enter into the millennial period that will be ruled in the you and I as believers will rule and reign with Jesus Christ for a thousand years. Okay, so then at the because I've we've we've always heard it taught too though that at the end, end of the Battle of Armageddon, all unbelievers are 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 eliminated, but and and destroyed. But then that wouldn't be the case, right? That's with correct. What you're saying, um, okay. you know, that's that's really the question because um, not, who who exactly. Um, any of the believers that live through the tribulation period, they'll live to repopulate the earth. Their children aren't going to be born. Um, they're not going to be born believers. Right. And without the without experiencing sin like you and I did, uh, the population's going to increase, there's going to be more, and those born during the millennial will enjoy the benefits of the reign of Jesus Christ, but they'll still be born with a sin nature. They'll still need to be born again like anyone else. Uh, and personally choose Jesus Christ as their Savior. So at the end, Satan is loosed uh, for the believers, the tribulation saints that make it through the tribulation, not unbelievers, but the tribulation saints that make it through, that will live through the millennial period and repopulate the earth over a thousand years. I mean, I, I can't think of the number that of people that will be there during, um, you know, that that's the possibility, but that sounds like something Ken Ham would have figured out and done the math. Um, but... They'll need to be tempted unlike they've ever been tempted, and the only way to do that is to release Satan at the end. Right. Yeah, especially after, after they've been under Jesus' rule for all that time. Yes. Okay. So I, I think right. I misspoke earlier. Are you familiar earlier. at all with Zechariah 14.16? Say that See, again? I was wondering if that says the same thing, Zechariah 14.16. Uh, let's see. Zechariah 14 talks about the second coming of Jesus, and then the end of it talks, It seems to talk about uh, the millennium, because it talks about when Jesus rules. And then 16 says, uh, then it will come about that any who are left, that the nations that went up against Jerusalem will go year to year to worship. The woman came up, uh, 14, 16 says, It shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came up against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep... Uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, and it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. Um, it really, right, that's their punishment for not going to worship. So that isn't, is that during the millennium, or are you not familiar with that passage? I'm not familiar with that passage right off the... I would have to do a little bit of work, but I'm. Uh, let me check one quick source here and see if I can't get a quick answer for you. Uh, let's see here... And after, so after the battle of Armageddon in the kingdom age, there'll be glorious times of celebration and worship for the nations who survived the tribulations. 
Uh, the nations who do not have time to worship will experience drought. People today who don't take time to worship will experience a dryness in their soul. And so there's some kind of uh, some kind of difficulty going on of people that choose to worship, people that don't choose to worship, uh, held accountable, tested at the end. The millennial kingdom is a very um, fascinating time. It makes yeah. me want to teach through Zechariah. I haven't taught through the entirety of Zechariah yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's going to be great. So that's a great yeah. pickup. Thank you. Yeah, there is, there is a lot there. I've yeah, I've read through. So, okay, and then I came across that, and I was like, well, I think that's talking about the millennium. And then it says those that are left, it, it, and I would assume that's from the Battle of Armageddon. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And, Thank uh, you so yeah, much. Have a good and day. say hey to all of our East Coast friends. Okay. All right. Once I see, I will. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. 303 Oh, man, these are good questions. <laughs> so good today. Line three, Vincent, calling from Denver. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hey, Vincent, how old are you, man? Eight. Eight. Right on. You got a question for me today? Um, yeah. Okay. My question was, um, how come God used to, um, how come did Adam and Eve, when they talked to God, did, like, did they see him and did, did they pray to talk to him? And, like, how come we can't see God now when, if, if they could probably could see God then? Yeah, I don't think in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve lived that they saw God because the Bible says no one can see God and live, and God is a spirit. So I don't think they saw God uh, like you might think that we could see people, you know, or like if Jesus was here, we could see him. Um, and they did talk to him, and, and I think you know this already, but I'm going to remind you that whenever we talk to God, that is called prayer. And so they may not have prayed like you and I did. They may, it says that, that, it says that they were able to enjoy the presence of God in the garden, uh, and we don't know exactly what that was like, except it sounds to me like there was a special relationship that they enjoyed in the garden, because remember, after they sinned and made those sinful mistakes and they ran away, God spoke to them. Do you remember? He went after looking for them, even though they weren't really going to hide. They couldn't really hide, but it says, in verse 9 of Genesis 3, then God called to, then the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? And so God spoke to them in the garden, just like they spoke to God in the garden. Yeah. Well, I was asking um, this person at my church. Uh-huh. He just, and I asked him to, um, I asked him a question almost um, every church day. Yes. Uh, every Sunday. And so um, one of the questions was, is that, like, how come, like, how um, the first part was, the first question I asked um, from the beginning was, um, um, how was God made? But um, God wasn't made. So, like, it's because, like, he's been alive for, like, forever. Forever. He is going to be alive forever. And it's, like, crazy to think about. After like he, like he's he's there forever, and so like there's like he he has to be there forever, and he's there forever. No, that's true. And and think about this. One, there's there's a lot of times I have to say, Vincent, that even even though I'm a little bit older than you, and I've studied the Bible for a little a, a 
probably a little bit longer than you have, I still come across things that I don't fully understand. You know, I still come across questions that that are hard to answer, like especially the why questions. You know, God, why did you do this? Why did you allow that? Those are hard questions to ask. And it and then and then I have questions about, well, um, how can God never be created? And you know, I, that's hard to understand. And and it, I just reminded that. In order for God to be God, we can't know everything God knows, right? Because if we knew everything that God knows, then what would that make us? Like God. That's right, and we're not. And so there's just things that we don't know that he wants us and reminds us that we're to live by faith, trusting him, even in the things that we don't know. Yeah, well, usually... I, um, like, usually I get really confused with, I get confused with stuff and, and I usually, it's like hard to say, but like the Bible is really complicated because like, it's God's word that he's speaking through us from, and like, if he, that's the only way that he could speak to us from the Bible. That's right. I was going to ask you, but you already answered it ahead of time. I was going to be my final question. If God spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden, how does he speak to us today? And he speaks to us through his Bible. Um, I was just teaching this not too long ago in our church, and it says in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. And Jesus Christ is God's final word to man. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. Hey, Vincent, um, keep studying. You're doing a great job, buddy. Because um, this is the first time that I'm going on the um, on radio, and I'm, like, really nervous. Well, you're doing great. Let me pray for you. Can I? Yeah. God, I pray for my new friend, Vincent, and even though he's nervous, God, you had him call and be on the radio and share some of these questions, and I pray that you would establish him in, in his young years, God, that his faith would only grow, even as we were thinking about all the kids coming back to school here today and just knowing that you love kids and you use guys just like Vincent to be an example to me, that I'm to be simple and have a childlike faith uh, and trust you in simple ways, with simple answers. And so I thank you for having Vincent call today and encourage me, and I'm thankful, God, that his heart is and his desire is to obey you, and I'm thankful for all the things he's already learned at such a young age. Continue to do that work in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, buddy, call back with another question sometime. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. We are... Coming up on the break of the first half, uh, Monday I asked Pastor Nick to pray for my father, Edmundo. Doctors said they found a large mass in his bladder. Uh, uh, could be tumor or stone or cancer. Uh, he went in for an ultrasound on Tuesday. Doctor told us there's nothing there. They can't find anything. Praise God. Thank you, Calvary, for praying for my father. God is awesome. So I hope you're listening, Nick. God heard your prayers. Everyone listening on Monday uh, for Edmundo. Uh, They went in for the test, and it's gone. I love, 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 love to hear that. And God is faithful when there is nothing to be found. And you know what? God is faithful when they did find something. 
And for that, I'm grateful. No matter the circumstance, no matter the difficulty, good or bad, our God is faithful. Well, we're coming up on the first, the end of the first half of the program, so thankful that you've jo- chosen to join us. Uh, we added a brand new station, you guys in Hayward. I think it's Hayward, California. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to Calvary Live. So grateful to, to have you join our growing network of radio stations. And so we're grateful. Welcome. Welcome for all the states that are listening. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back everyone to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I got the stunning Frank running the board today and the equally stunning Kevin running all the electronics and we are quite the team. We are the team that would you would not expect God to use. But isn't he faithful? He plucked us all out of the gutter of sin and depravity and opened our eyes. And now we're born again serving him. And it doesn't matter how bad things have been. It doesn't matter how good things have been. Every one of us are in the same condition. There's every single one of us who are in desperate condition. It didn't matter how bad of a sinner you were, or even if you even admitted you were a sinner, uh, or even recognized it by the time God grabbed a hold of your heart. You know, the Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, none of us are immune from that. And so we are, are just so grateful uh, to be saved. And, and it's, I'm, I am being serious. I mean, Frank is here running the board. Kevin's here running all the behind-the-scenes things. Joshua oversees uh, the whole station, and uh, we're just grateful here. And, and by the way, if you're not listening in Colorado or Nebraska or Wyoming, then you need to know that Calvary Live originates in Colorado from Grace FM uh, Colorado, the radio network that is an outreach of our ministry here at Calvary in Aurora, A-U-R-O-R-A, and for more information on Calvary Live specifically or our station, go to gracefm.com, gracefm.com, or you can visit our website at calvaryaurora.org, calvaryaurora.org. And, um, you know, we're grateful to be on the various states around the country, various radio stations, and, and we're praying that God would expand our outreach of Calvary Live to more and more stations. So if uh, you know of a radio station that would like to pick up our program, have them call us. We'd love to talk to them. 303-690-3000. It looks like Trey is in Denver, Colorado. Trey, welcome to the program. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing good. I had a question for you. Okay, great. Um, Something I've been kind of thinking about for a while. So um, I've read into um, the law of attraction. and. You know, I've uh, been a part of the Christian faith for most of my life. Okay. Uh, I've studied it pretty on and off, and I've come to a point where I'm like, you know, um, it's very um, 
confusing to me when I see, like, the law of attraction saying, like, basically, like, you put out the positivity, you stay positive, um, you speak things, and you, you basically speak things into reality, and then you, I see things that kind of are similar in, in uh, Scripture, you know, faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to, you know, drown itself in the ocean, or it'll do so, um, you know, stay joyful, um, you know, um, and, you know, Basically, you pray and you, and you ask for God's presence in your life or His guidance, and um, what you know. And you see, there's a similarity in like law of attraction. If you're speaking certain things out and you speak it into action, it kind of comes true. And I see that you know, like I've tried it and it works in a way, um, very similar to the way of, of praying. So um, you know, it's kind of like, well, man, what. Is, is a law of attraction and praying not kind of the similar thing? Is it not the very similar practices? Are they not accomplishing the same thing? Um, except for in the Christian faith, we're putting God into the aspect. Well, let's pause for a second. Let's start with the question. The law of attraction is absolute nonsense. Unbiblical nonsense. It has no basis whatsoever in the Bible. It has no correlation in the Bible. Uh, it is 100% untrue. So okay. let's let's start there because it's very important that we grasp this false teaching. It's a it's a complete false teaching. And any opportunity that you've learned, you know, because I know that you've read up on it, uh, you probably read the book The Secret. Um, that's where yeah. the law of attraction really developed, and and it's it's grasping. It's starting with a man-made thought and grasping for the Bible to prove it. Um, as as you think of the definition of prayer, so let's step back for a second, and and you may not agree with me on that conclusion, and I'm I'm okay with that. I would encourage you to continue to study, but let let's talk about it for a second. Let's just let's talk about it rationally. Um, first of all, let's talk about it biblically. Number one, what is the definition of prayer from your perspective? What do you think the definition of prayer is? Prayer, um, to my definition, I would say that prayer would be um, communication with God. Perfect. Um, Stop right there. You're absolutely right, 100%. Prayer is talking to God, it's communicating with God. So basically we have two parties, right? Right. We have man and we have God. So who's the authority in that relationship? Um, the authority would be God. And and who has all the power? Well, God. And who has the choice of whether to answer our prayer? God. And and so, and you're right so far. I mean, I know it's simple, but I'm walking it through for, for everyone listening as well. So in our relationship with God, in prayer, we need to always remember that God is God and we are not. And so let's ask another question about God. Is God obligated to give us what we ask for? No. And so the law of attraction, that idea that you can think, speak things into existence, flips that around and says that man can control God in their prayer or somehow control reality. I mean, if you try to associate it with God, but somehow try to, to make man God and the law of attraction flips everything around and takes the focus off our sovereign God and puts it on, and, and our all-sufficient God, and puts it on to us and what we want 
and and what we want to accomplish. Are you with us? Are you with me so far? Yeah, I'm with you so far. Anything you disagree with? No, I don't disagree with anything so far. Okay, good. And and so uh, when you when you look at the law of attraction, um, there there is a sense that you everything is centered upon what you want to do and what you want God to do. And if you just control your thoughts, and you said it right, I mean, you hit it on the head. If you just put out the right energy, whatever that means in particular, probably the difference between positive and negative energy, but the the reality right. of if you put positive energy, you'll be attracted to negative, positive people and negative. That's simply not accurate. Um, and and the thing about the law of attraction is that it's almost there is some some semblance of truth to it. Not that it's true in any way, but this, you know, if if you're a negative person, most likely you're going to be surrounded by negative people. That makes sense, right? Um, right. You know, the world says the, uh, the the that there is a sense of uh, oh, what's the phrase, Frank? A flock together. What's the Birds of a feather flock together. You know, that's kind of a way. And the Bible says evil company corrupts good habits. So if you're hanging out with bad people, you're going to become like a bad person. So so I get right. that. But but there's no sense that you can take that and go, I, let's see, I just want to attract negative people, so I'm going to be negative. Like that, that's, a, that's just, you don't control people. If they don't want to be around you, they're not going to be around you. You don't control them or vice versa. And, you know, one of the, one of the big things about the law of attraction is how it's used to somehow cause you to think you can make money off of it. You know, like a, you know, you're you're able to um, use this law of attraction to become a millionaire or whatever. And you know, it has failures on many times. It makes man god. Uh, it it twists even partial truths. And it doesn't. It it is no way associated with prayer because when we pray, we submit ourselves to a sovereign God. And trust him to answer our prayers according to his will. And and I and we learn this many ways in the scripture, um, but but one place where Jesus said, "I want you to pray this way." Remember when sometimes we refer to that as the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father in heaven, who all will be thy name. And what does He ask us to do? He says, "Thy will be done, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." That is. That one truth from the lips of Jesus completely decimates this teaching known as the law of attraction. And I would just stay away from it. Um, do not read about it anymore and exchange the law of attraction with a true, healthy, dependent life on by faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, that makes sense. Because you're all, you know, and the law of attraction is about it's a self-centeredness. You're it really is. You're looking to please your own. It, it's, it's about <clears throat> serving yourself and you creating your destiny. And it also, you know, if it's the law of attraction is kind of real, it made me question also, well then, you know, I must have to stay positive until the point of death in order to get into a heavenly state, in a, in a sense, according to that kind of living, which kind of gets rid of the whole... You know, Jesus died for your sins, which gets you into heaven portion of it as well, you know? So there's the, yeah, the law of attraction got me really kind of, kind of, I don't know, confused. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. I agree. So. I, I And that, that kind of stuff does, because it does have this air of spirituality. And um, is who wrote The Secret? Was it Marianne Williamson? Um, Rhonda, um, 
Rhonda something rather. She's the only gal making money. Her and the book publisher. Yeah. And and it's just <laughs> it's bunk. And I'm sorry you got confused, but but you know sometimes yeah. we learn. Sometimes we learn by. Um, by making mistakes, you know, we all we all do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I agree with you. Thanks for well, calling, I really man. Appreciate your input. Alrighty, bye bye. All right, thank you. Have a good one. Bye bye. Bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the number. And sometimes, you know, like with Trey, we have to deconstruct what we have learned and get down to the basics, and then get back to the word, and then build up, deconstruct what we think we believe and what we think is biblical, deconstruct it to its basics, and then reconstruct it based on a biblical. That's what I did in that conversation. We took the law of attraction and took it back down to its basics, got the true biblical definitions, and built back up to eliminate such a horrific, heretical false teaching in no way connected with the things of God. 303-690-3000. It is Pam from... Edders, Pennsylvania. Hi, Pastor Ed. How are you? Good. How are you? Where is Edders, Pennsylvania? Um, it sits halfway between Harrisburg and York. Oh, right on. Well, welcome okay. to the program. Oh, thank you, and thanks for all that you do. You're welcome. Um, my question today is, um, my mom is 86 years old, yes. and she'll be 87 in October, and um, she's Catholic, and, um, you know, so she's a little worried when she dies where she's going to go. And, you know, and I told her, no, 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 you know, you'll be in heaven, you know, because of that verse that says about, um, you know, if we're not here on earth, we're present with the Lord or something like that. Yes. In the New Testament. And, but then it got me to thinking because, um, you know, I was looking on the internet for different verses to back up what I said. And, and, um, to be honest, I came away a little more confused than, than I thought I would be. Okay. And it made me think about that verse about the uh, rapture, yes, where it says the dead in Christ shall rise first. Um, and I thought about that, and I was like, well, what does that mean? And I, you know, was talking to my sister, and she's like, oh no, that means you know that our bodies are going to be resurrected at that point if we've died. And so I'm just looking for your take on all of that. Well, when it comes, you know, when we come to First uh, Thessalonians chapter four. Uh, we are introduced to this phrase, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And so, you know, the question usually is, who are, um, who are the dead in Christ? Who's he referring to? And I did a Bible study in that section. It's called Death, Dying, and the Christian. And, you know, it's important because the, the church, the believers in Thessalonica were worried and concerned um, about about what happens to those that die. Um, you know, they didn't understand. Um, you know, Paul starts, let me just read it for the sake of those you guys listening. Let me pull it up here uh, and read it just so we can all be on the same page. He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. That phrase, fallen asleep, is just a euphemism to describe dying, those that have died. Um, so that you don't okay. ha- you don't lose hope. Those people that have already died, um, uh, I don't want you to lose hope. I don't want you to be ignorant about it because uh, the reality of them is that that they have died, um, but you're going to be reunited with them. Um, you're going to be reunited with them because um, 
you can have confidence that death is not the end. Uh, you are not your body. The real you is something outside the shell. It's within you. It's not your body. And Paul wanted to remind them that uh, when, um, if you believe in Jesus, died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Um, he'll bring them. Um, he'll he'll bring them with him. For this you say by the word of the Lord, by we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not no means proceed those who are asleep. Why won't we precede them? Because they're already with the Lord. Okay. So they'll come with him. They'll be with him. The Lord himself will, des- will descend, verse 16, with a shout, the voice of an archangel, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ will be first. They will be with the Lord. We will not precede them um, that they 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 will they will already be with the Lord, so we will join and meet them forever. It says, then we will be caught up together with them in the clouds. We will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Okay, you know, because I I started thinking, well, you know, maybe I'm misunderstanding the Bible because you know in the Old Testament. Um, they weren't with God because Jesus hadn't died yet and paid for their sins. Correct? Right. They were in a place known as uh, the compartment of, um, uh, it was torments on one side, paradise on the other, Abraham's bosom. Right. I had to think okay. that through for a second. Uh, <laughs> Abraham's bosom. And then at the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he empties out, he empties out Abraham's bosom. Uh, and takes those believers that were awaiting the fullness of the promise of of his of of his true complete removal of sin uh, to be with him. Now, um, the those in torments uh, are in 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 Hades awaiting that final judgment to be thrown into the lake of fire. But right. in the new okay. covenant, in the new covenant today after Christ and his resurrection, by faith in Jesus Christ, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's, that's the verse I was thinking of. Okay. And do yeah, you know where I, that yeah, is? I mean, did you, that's did... what I believe, but then I was like, you know, because I always want to make sure, just like the previous call, it's like I, I want to just make sure that, you know, it's not just my belief that it's truth. And so I was a little puzzled. I was like, maybe I've got this wrong. Well, so, second, okay. second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 is... So we're always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. And then verse 8, we are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Okay. All right. Yeah, I need to talk to my mom about this because she, you know, you can, well, she said to me the one day she was a little, you know, a day that she wasn't feeling well, she was a little worried about, like how long she was going to be in, you know, a certain state. Like, you know, yes. she didn't feel like she was going to be in heaven. Well, and I'm like, no, 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 Mom, that's not right. <laughs> let's talk a little bit, too, just to help your mom understand that religion and Roman Catholicism will not save her. Her faith in Jesus Christ will save her. And unfortunately, right. along with Roman Catholicism, comes with all kinds of religious baggage like purgatory. And right, the exactly. idea that there's some middle ground between here and there, and that in purgatory you pay off all of your sins, and but that's not true. 
Um, that's not true in any way because Jesus Christ, and I know you know this, but Jesus Christ paid the full price for our sins and took upon himself the whole wrath of God in the judgment for our sins. And there's no place that we go to pay it off because we could never pay it off. Purgatory is not a biblical doctrine. And so in these you know, final years of your mom's life, whether the Lord gives her 5, 10, 15 years, keep emphasizing to her mom, it's not the Roman Catholic Church that saves her. And of course, you're going to do that in a respectful way because you know your mom better than right. I do. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's Absolutely. mom. Jesus said that a man must be born again. Are you born again? And and really emphasize that for her because you know the 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 reality of religion can sometimes deceive a person. We don't want your mom deceived. Right, right. No, I agree with you. And I, I just I, I deal with that with a couple of my sisters and brothers. Well, mostly my sisters, but. Um, you know, because my one sister, she strongly believes in purgatory, and sure. um, and I'm like, well, how how do you determine who went to purgatory then? I said because it's just a man down here deciding who goes to purgatory. I'm like, how do you know? You know, because they're big on praying to the saints, and I'm like, how do you know that saint is in heaven? How do you know that saint's not in purgatory? Like, how do you know that? And then, of course, you know, it's like the big thing that I always say to them is, well, if Jesus died to pay the price for our sins then why does anybody have to go to purgatory? That's the key. Then why did he bother dying? That's... You know, and I always say that, and she she has no answers to that, because there is no answer to that. And it becomes a battle of the will, you know, because, hey, this is the way I was raised. I don't want to offend my family. Uh, and I understand that. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand it. Because you're in, because you have this in your life, I want to recommend a book to you. Oh, okay, great. Uh, it is Reasoning from the Scriptures with Catholics. Okay. Reasoning from the Scriptures with Catholics. It's by Ron Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S. And he does such a very, he does such a thorough and respectful job of, of taking, uh, taking you in, let me see, there's another, I just want to make sure, I, I'm going to make another recommendation. I had to find it. But he, he the reason I love his book is, is that not only is he very respectful, but he, when he walks you through the the truths and and how to present the truths to a Roman Catholic from the Bible, he he teaches you how to ask good questions, like you're already doing, really, um, to ask good questions and to um, learn how what the essence is of why you're asking that question, so you're confident on how to answer it yourself. Okay. It's really good. And now, I, on, do you have a Kindle? Do you read on Kindle? Uh, no, I, I, I prefer to just plain old read a book. <laughs> All right. Well, you can get Ron Rhodes' book. I'm looking at Amazon, and this other book I want to recommend is like so stinking expensive, but um, it shouldn't be. Um, it's called Preparing for Eternity by Mike Gendron. And you could probably get some used books. So I, so I could see some paperback, like six bucks. So don't buy it for 20 bucks. Um, buy a used book. Um, it's called okay. it's called preparing for eternity, and you spell it um, G E N D R O N. Mike Gendron. Okay. And, okay. Great. And it's specifically his ministry is specifically um, the book is also titled "Preparing Catholics for Eternity," but one of those um, doesn't look like it's. You might be able to Google him and get it directly from him, but it's too expensive here. That's crazy. But it's a really good book, and I think he's in Colorado here. Um, 
He does such a great job. Okay. Well, thank you so much for answering my call. And do you have that Bible study that you were talking about? In, um, yeah, would you email about, me? I'll send you the link. Yes. What is your email? Pastor Ed at CalvaryAurora.org. Pastor Ed at CalvaryAurora.org. Yes. And just remind me which one it is, and I'll send you the link. Okay, great. All righty. All right. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. God bless oh, you. God bless you. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. We got time for more. Let's see what is next. Pam to Liz. Liz in Denver, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. I Hi. know you only have a few You're right. more minutes. Just a quick question. I've been witnessing to someone, and I got the, you know what, I'm done. I don't want to hear it no more. Um, I don't want to talk about religion no more. And I said, okay, well, you know, just so you know, I said just one more thing. I said, Jesus didn't like religion either. I said he... <laughs> didn't like religious people either, so I, I, I understand you. Um, what do you do after somebody's pretty much cut you off? Do you continue to try to witness to him or just leave it in God's hands? I texted you last week and told you to pray for him, Caesar. Yes. yes. My friend Caesar is my, friend, my best friend's husband, uh-huh. and, you know, like I was telling Frank, I thought I was getting through to him. Well, you know, not me, but because he had gone from not believing in God in a God at all to believing in aliens to sure. yeah Jesus is is God that's the real God to now is don't talk to me about it sure so what do what do I do you talk about something else and just keep and praying for him keep praying keep and and just wait you know keep the relationship keep the friendship you have given him the gospel uh, and there's no need to push it there's no need to press it. And, you know, maybe listen, uh, talk to him about, you know, it's your best friend's boyfriend or husband, did you say? Husband. You know, your best friend's husband. husband. And so talk about the family, talk about dogs. For goodness sake, I was going to say talk about cats, but there's nothing good to talk about cats. So don't. Hey, whoa, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, just keep the line open, you know, and and be respectful and loving and and look for those opportunities. Uh, But, you know, I'm thinking Jesus said, um, don't cast your pearl before swine. And and there's just a sense where we need to stop. We've already done enough. We're not going to be able to convince them. Only Jesus convinces, and we're not going to be able to convict them because only Jesus, the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, convicts, and we're not going to be able to reason. Only God's the one that reasons. And so since you've put it out there, he knows where you stand. He knows the truth of the gospel. He knows that Jesus died for his sins. And we just... Okay, you don't want to talk about. I respect you as a person. We don't need to talk about it anymore. I don't want to argue. Um, you know, did you? You know, if he's into the Broncos or he's in, in just yeah. start communicating with them, being open for the Holy Spirit. That when it's time to bring it up again, do it in obedience to God, definitely. But you remember, one person waters, one person plants, another person waters. Uh, just you know, speaking of the gospel as mm-hmm. a seed, but only yeah. God gives the increase. Yeah. So with that with that with what you just said it's like it's so hard because you know he'll ask for my opinion or my advice or something and me being you know born again i take all of my advice from the word absolutely i listen to the word and so i'm like well so I give him the word you, it was it was like when says, i was in the business Bible world says, well that's how my conversations always start it's well, like here we go to me my my opinion is worthless it's like what do you want to know my opinion for yeah. obviously i messed up a whole bunch so don't take trust me don't take my advice well here's the thing because we're coming up to the end of the show here's the thing this is what we had to learn many people have to learn this in the business world 
Um, give, if he asks for your opinion, give your opinion. And if he asks for your advice, give your advice. And you don't have to give him a Bible study. You don't even have to quote verses. You can give him as your advice. You can give him what you have learned from the Bible. I mean, what I'm saying is not to give your opinion that it hasn't been informed by the Bible, not to give advice yeah. that hasn't. But yeah. you don't have to make it a Bible study. Go ahead and talk okay. to him. And don't you know? You don't have to say, well, Jesus said. Just say what Jesus said. Um, yeah. And you don't have to say, well, in the Bible on page, you don't have, just say what it says and let it be your own language. Let it be your own paraphrase. Uh, let it yeah. be your informed opinion biblically, your informed advice biblically. And believe me, God will use that. So absolutely give uh, when it's asked. You bet. Okay. All right. right I got to go. Continue to, continue to pray for him. Thank, Thank you. you. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, can't believe it's already the show is over. Uh, thank you guys for being a part of the show. Even if you don't get on the air, um, we I mean, our text just blew up today. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to answer all your texts, but thanks for connecting with us. Um, be sure, Lord willing, tune in tomorrow, same time on this station, and grow in God's grace. And, you know, the Lord just knows uh, what he wants to accomplish and how he wants to accomplish it trust him live by faith it's all that he has done not what we have done by his love and grace god bless you guys you've been listening to calvary live tune in next time for prayer and god's word